Nation. Did you know you can schedule your real estate sit-down with the guys? At rondonsitdown.com. That's rondonsitdown.com. And you'll get a free camp mug that says I sat down with Rondon. I have 13 of them. Maybe even the guys will take you camping with your new mug. Now back to the show. Hey you guys, what's going on? Welcome to episode 356 now of the Ron and Don Show. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, we're live from the Les Schwab Studios and coming up on the Ron and Don Show. We got to talk about this fact that everybody said after the Black Lives Matter movement that they were done with the NFL. And still we see players out there with Black Lives Matter movements all over their helmets. We see it in end zones. We see NFL owners now embracing the movement. And yet... And yet, the NFL ratings have come storming back. We got to talk about that. Also, also, we have to talk about the fact of, well, why did Thomas Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson? No, Thomas Edison. Was it, <laughs> was it Thomas Edison or Thomas Jefferson? Jefferson's the president, Edison's the inventor. What was his story about? Something about eating soup. Did you read the story about eating soup? I don't think I did. It's either Thomas Edison or Thomas Jefferson. One of the Thomas made people eat soup. Are you sure it wasn't Thomas the train before he hired them? Someone named Thomas. I'm going to have to jump back into my notes and I'll figure out here in a moment. Cause as you could tell, I put this show together a couple weeks ago. Anyway, before we get to that though, let's get to this happy new year, everybody. What will we all do in 2022? A lot of us have made resolutions and by the time, you have heard this podcast. 87% of people that made a resolution, well, they made a decision to walk away from that resolution basically by doing nothing about it. One of the most important things you can do, whether it's for yourself or your family or colleague at work or someone you love and care about, if, if, if you are making a personal decision about yourself to get better in some area of your life, because you know the humans around you and the animals around you. Yeah, they benefit when you change. You have to make a decision to step into it. And part of stepping into it, you guys, is sometimes going out and hiring a coach or joining a program. And Ron, that's exactly what you did, right? Yeah, this has been an interesting journey for me. And and, uh, I'll try to explain as I had some people reach out on social media. So I met with a nutritionist for the first time this week. And it's it's... I'm going to say this and hopefully not come off uh, too egotistical. A lot of this stuff you, I already know. Like a lot of this stuff, just in doing what we do for a living and talking on the radio for as many years as we did, you interview, you get all the books, you interview the people. Like when the biggest loser was on, the biggest loser guys would be in the studio. Or when so-and-so has a, a big diet book that swept the nation, you would talk to those people, you would get the book. Uh, you were fitness instructor of the year. Um, so like I was adjacent to a lot of information. And so in, in some ways I feel like a lot of the stuff that I know, and yet it's one of those things where, and yet you don't know, and yet you don't know, and yet you do not know. Right. right. So, and yet you, it's the physician heal thyself thing where you go, okay, well, why, why do I not have this wired? Like why, why doesn't this work the way that I want it to work? So some new concepts have come into my life. 
I'm not an expert on these concepts, but I'm trying to fold these concepts in and I'll try to do or unveil these to you as this journey goes on. So like many people listening to this, I gained a, a pretty good chunk of weight over COVID. And so more than I wanted, like, and we all did the exact same things. You're not moving as much. There were quite a few months where you felt quarantined to your house. So your activity level involved going from the bedroom to the kitchen, to the bathroom, to your office. And, and that was, that was it. So to the bar, to the bar, so, <laughs> so I wanted to, well, the bar is in the kitchen. So I wanted to, um, I wanted to try and not just do the same thing I've done over and over and over again in my adult life. I said, maybe I'll get an outside set of eyes on this. So I got a recommendation to a nutritionist. And again, some of this is going to be Captain Obvious, but let's see if I can if I can bring this home. So a couple of new concepts that I had not been aware of. Um, first is, is diet culture. And the second is health at any size. And the third concept is intuitive eating. And so let's take these one by one. So the uh, diet culture. I had not really, this is a concept that was new to me. And if I can paraphrase it, the diet culture is there's this movement that is saying, reject diet culture. So what diet culture is, is going, when you look around your social media, you look around your Facebook page, you look around uh, just your life, all this messages that come at you that say, Hey, if you only did this diet, if you only ate these things, if you only took this supplement, if you only wore these pants, if you only had this gear, if you only had, you know, a, a, a Peloton or if you if you got into ultra marathoning or what, there's all of this messaging coming at you that's basically saying you're not good enough the way you are and I've got the missing piece. And then the other part of diet culture so good. is good. you see all these images of like, well, why don't I look like that? Yep. Why isn't my body shaped like that? That um, happens to me every morning when I look in the mirror and I'm like, why don't I look like that? <laughs> right. Because and it, when I look in the mirror, I'm 33 years old, but now I'm 54 and that's different. Right. So and, and it's hard to accept that. So right? there's this whole diet culture infrastructure. And then the latest iterations morph themselves to say, we're not a diet. We're Noom. It's not a diet. Or we're Athletic Greens. It's all it's a diet culture that's been reformatted. And even like I think Jenny Craig or Weight Weight Watchers is now WW because they don't want to use their weight anymore. But so it's all of these messages. And so I had bought into a lot of that without ever questioning it. It's just something that's been around. We've been immersed in it for so long that I bought into that. So next concept, so we can if we can dive deeper into these if we want to. Next concept was health at any size. And this one was is very hard for me, and it still is. Because and I have clear you probably remember this and we talked about this years ago. At one point you and I were the MCs or the the for some five, a bunch of five Ks with Detlef Shrimp and all this stuff. And I have such a clear memory. St. Patrick's Day run. St. Patrick's Day run. Yeah. I have such a clear memory of running uh, and like trying to do well. Like I wanted to not be last. I wanted to like, we were, you know, on the poster and we're at the front holding the microphone. So it was like, and I the Seattle uh, St. Patrick's day dash. It would be impossible to come in last. Right. The amount of drinking that goes on. So before I'm just the dash. saying I, I wanted, I was, I was giving an effort. Yeah. Like I wasn't were. walking. I remember. I'm giving yeah. an effort in, and a, a, a two people 
past me while having a conversation. Pushing strollers. Pushing strollers. And they were what I considered fat. Yep. So for me, oh. I'm running and I can't breathe. Like, I can't talk to anybody. Like, I am, I'm like doing this 5K. And you have no baby to push. And I have no baby to push. <laughs> and these people are having a conversation. They pass me. And I'm like, what is going on? Like my, that that emoji where the top of your head's coming off. I was like, these fat people, and this is, this is, I'm I'm just going to not sugarcoat it. How do these fat people pass me talking and pushing a baby stroller? And there was a part of me that got really angry because the, my, the, the last place that I felt safe. And again, this is 10, 15 years ago. The last place I felt safe, really judging people was fat people. And then uh, and, uh, right after that, I kind of turned into a fat person. But I remember it was like, oh, you're, you don't have any self-discipline and how can you be so fat? And like I had all of these diet culture messages. And so I didn't understand that like those folks were probably more fit. They're obviously more fit than I was, even though if you put us in a lineup, someone might go, oh, Ron is, is thinner or, you know, he has this appearance profile, so he must be more fit. No, like these people that were heavier than me were more fit than me. So I'm trying to assimilate this idea into my brain. And there's a subset of that idea that's like your body has a set point in the same way that, you know, if you wear a size 11 shoe, you would never go to someone and be like, man, if you could only wear a size nine. Like I'm telling you, your life would be so much better. That's not true. If we could get you into a size not nine. Tr- not true. When I was younger, a friend of mine worked at Nike. He used to send me all this free Nike gear, and I would get so pissed off. He was a shoe designer there, and you you know this. He would send us these size nine shoes, and we'd try to put them on. And finally, I asked him. I said, Wilson, how come every, how come every shoe you send me is a size nine? He said, that's because Phil Knight, who started Nike, was a size nine. So every trial pair they make is a size nine shoe. So that's not true. There is a time in my life when I was about 23 that I wished I didn't wear 11 and a half to 12 shoe. I wished I wear a size nine and so did you. Yeah, my, you be at the, the bigger point though. So, um, and then I forgot what the third thing was after we got off on the shoe tangent. Um, so I'm trying to incorporate these ideas into my life and to um, recognize oh the intuitive eating i don't know much about it yet i'm going to look into that and it's sort of like a a philosophy around eating where you don't um you don't live in this constant restriction mentality because then inevitably at some point uh, and for every person it's different maybe at some point you're eating a dozen donuts or you find yourself plowing through a half gallon of ice cream late at night or you're drinking or whatever it is if you restrict 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 your body you know then something life event happens and it triggers and you go okay well i guess i'm gonna you know boom and now you do way more than if you would have just eaten one piece of pizza you'll eat the entire pizza so like trying to do that concept so my big takeaway with this nutritionist and again on this journey was I have been so focused on the number on the scale. Like that is the metric because it's so clean and easy to gauge that I wanted. And you remember this when I got under 200 pounds for the first time since high school, probably um, I felt like I had cracked the code. 
And this is what, maybe five years ago or so now. And something like I was elated when I stepped on that scale and it had a one in the front of it instead of a two. And I have become so ingrained with you get up, you step on the scale or you're weighing yourself throughout the day. And it was about that number. And, and this nutritionist that I met with, um, she said, what would it be like if you slid the scale under the counter and instead you optimize for how you feel? <laughs> and it's so simple, that it, but it was, like, it was a major revelation to me. It was like, yeah, what would that be? What would it be like if instead of obsessing about the number on the, that scale that I was like, what could I do today to feel better? Or what could I do today to, to be more fit? Or what could I do today to move in a way that's enjoyable to me instead of what can I do to make that number go down? Um, and again, so that was a huge revelation, a huge revelation. And I, and I don't know what it means yet, but I wanted to share with the, with everybody. Cause I, we talked about it in last week's episodes that I, it just, I, that was profound for me. Mm. Cause like I've, I've spent so many years now, if the number goes up, I'm a bad person. It's a bad day. What did I do wrong? And then you beat yourself up and go, oh, man, I shouldn't have had. I was over at Don's and he made ribs. Next thing you know, I had an extra thing. And then there was cookies over there. And, and somebody brought that dessert. And then I had that. And I'm a bad person because my number went up today. And then when the number goes down, and sometimes you would lose two pounds in a day or three pounds in a day. And you'd be like, I'm a genius. I'm the greatest. What an awesome day. And, uh, and you reward yourself for going, that was right. I didn't, I, I skipped a meal. Or I, you know, it's these weird mentality of like fist pumping that this number went down. When in reality, you can't tell, a person of my size or your size, you can't really tell the difference between two pounds. Your, your flight, your, I'm sorry, your freight. Sometimes your weight is your freight. Your, your weight really fluctuates in a 24-hour period for a guy your size and my size, five to six pounds. It, right. fl- it fluctuates. Depending on when you step on the scale. Depending on when you step on the scale, depending on how much water you've had to drink, depending upon if you just went to the bathroom or not. And I, what I'm hearing from you is, is really good. And part of what I'm hearing from you, I don't always understand. This is what I do understand. I understand someone going home on a Friday night, being a single dad, working their ass off, but always feeling like they're coming up short. And then in those moments of aloneness and and feeling anxiety and pressure, I understand what it is to sit there and drink alone and drink alone to excess. Like I get that. And my point is all of us, all of us, all of us are somewhere on the scale of needing help, right? And just because I've done that on a Friday night doesn't make me an alcoholic, but it also doesn't mean that I didn't need to go tell someone and get some help. And just because you're struggling with what you're struggling with right now, it doesn't mean you you know you should be on the next food addiction show. But it, but it's you calling out and saying, you know what I know, and, and that's what's dangerous about someone that is so smart as Ron is, because you know it in your head, but it hasn't transformed your heart. Early on, I started reading a lot of self-help books, and finally I had to put them down, and I went, you know what? I have read so much self-help that it doesn't help anymore. 
because I haven't given it the time to chew on it, to process it, to take one truth and see how does this apply to my life and how could this change me? And yet everybody keeps coming at you with another book and another tape and another series. And so we begin chewing on those things, sometimes figuratively and literally. And all we really have to do is take what we know, reach out to somebody and say, I need some help. Will you show me a different way or maybe a different paradigm or a different way for me to think? And, and I, what I really love, what I really love that you just said, Ron, and I'll give you the final say here. I love that you said, I don't know what this means yet. To be that vulnerable, thank you. And to be that vulnerable, that's when change really happens. Or it doesn't, but at least you're going to know. So. Are we still having pizza? <laughs> See you guys on the other side of this. I got to figure out which uh, Thomas it was. You can just tell that, they, uh, that they're just real genuine guys and, and care about uh, who they work with and just feel like we, you know, we got, we got some, some more friends now. It truly is one of life's biggest transactions. If you're downsizing, upsizing, or right-sizing, Ron and Don can help you buy, sell, or invest in real estate. It all starts with a Ron and Don sit-down. Hi, I'm Oli. Hi, I'm Emmy. Hi, I'm John Greenland. I'm Lauren Greenland. Hi, my name is uh, Anthony Kroll. Hi, I'm Gretchen. And I'm Byron. And we sat down with, with Ron and Don. Mm-hmm. They were more prepared. They paid way more attention to detail. Um, and then they just came in with a, with a lot more knowledge and were able to set those expectations up a lot better than um, some of the previous uh, realtors that we worked with. So, I mean, I was I was extremely pleased with uh, the the entire, uh, the sit down, the, the experience and, and the results, of course. There was a friendship that developed and a, and a, and a trust. Mm-hmm. You know, I would say a trust and then, you know, we yeah. have, we love them. It's been a hell of a lot of fun for one thing. I see them as, as friends now. I feel like they've made me feel part of this community. And knowing that, you know, Dawn's just down the street is, is comforting. <laughs> <laughs> we totally consider Ron and Dawn friends of ours now. And we do miss working with them. It was intense there for a little bit. But it's an experience that we'll always remember and have and um, and now lifelong friends. It's the Ron and Don Nation. That's right. <laughs> Don't forget, when you're ready to sit down and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com. Please hit subscribe on your podcast player. We'd also love if you gave us a review. Now let's get back to building Ted. I mean Laverne and Shirley. No, seriously, it's R&D and with me, that's three. Hey, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. And don't forget, we are licensed brokers at Windermere. We had a fantastic 2021, thanks to you. And we are storming, storming into 2022. If you need us, just reach out. If you're thinking about investing, if you're thinking about purchasing something, If you were thinking about selling or I just had someone contact me and they said, hey, would you teach me the Airbnb game? I just sold four or Ron and I just sold four of his row houses for him and he sold three. One of those he's going to Airbnb doesn't know how to do it. I'm a super host, so I'm going to teach him. I just reiterate, if you are thinking about listing something right now, there has not been a more opportune time in years yeah there's we right now you talk about historic we've never seen anything like this and we know the interest rates are going to creep up sometime this summer this is it right now this is this is the time <laughs> email me what should people do if they need a, a buyer playbook or a seller's 
Absolutely. Email me, Ron at Windermere.com. Oh, I just put a, an offering on a house for one of our clients in Bothell. House was listed for seven fifty five. It went uh, for over a million dollars. So n- I'm not promising we can do that for your house, but there is never, not never, there has not been a time like this where everything has is, is come together for sellers in a very long time. Yeah. Hey, let's talk about this. Everybody's talking about this NFL. They've kind of stretched out the schedule as we head into the playoffs. They added a few wild card teams, and then they also said, "What if we took one of these Sunday night games and uh, we played the game on Monday?" Ron, what do you think happened here? Because we were on the radio before the Black Lives Matter movement when the NFL though started to pivot, and we saw sometimes the way the NFL treated black players and the way that they treated white players, especially when somebody crossed a line, crossed a boundary, it really was completely different. And then when Colin Kaepernick, we were still on terrestrial radio, when he took that knee, and instead of people listening to what he had to say, they started shouting what they thought. And a lot of us to this day have never really listened to him, right? We haven't, if we're honest with ourselves, because we're so strong in our beliefs of what that means when you take a knee and why aren't you standing and saluting. We're not going to go into that here. But so many people reached out to us, and they said, number one, uh, we're done with your radio show because of what you support, and number two, We're done with the NFL. Well, a lot of you weren't done with the radio show because over a million people now have listened to this podcast, and we're so appreciative for that. Over a million spins. That's incredible, you guys. And the NFL this week has announced some of the highest ratings that they've had, Ron, in the last 18 years. And if you go back 18 years ago, that's basically when, yeah, basic cable, but most of the good stuff was on the three channels and maybe ESPN. What do you make, Ron? Because there's so many of us out there, all these streaming services, all these choices, and yet the NFL is storming back. And what we're still seeing on players' helmets and what we're still seeing painted in the end zones, it's a lot of those messages of let's end racism. And a lot of that is because the NFL began to feel pressure from 70% of their workforce, which is young African-American men. Yeah, so the two different things here. I, I don't get too excited on the rating side because of this reason. The the game that that blew things out of the water was San Francisco Dallas. It is two teams with you know very proud storied histories. Two teams that between them probably have what eight or nine Super Bowls out of the fifty Super Bowls that have ever been played. Maybe ten Super Bowls. Uh, the team franchises. That, that, that are among the top two or three, four franchises in the league. So that game uh, that was very smart of the, however it came together that they played each other, got giant ratings and it was a good game and it went down to the last play and it was exciting. And so it made for great television. If that had been Indianapolis against Jag, you know, Jacksonville, the game would have had 14 million viewers instead of 41 million viewers. So the games with the smaller markets, even Kansas City, that a lot of people think is just an elite team, they they have very much smaller audiences than Dallas-San Francisco. So that, I think, is one of the main stories uh, for the ratings part, at least. And we'll see how, how things progress as we go through because you are going to have you know Aaron Rodgers and you're going to have Tom Brady and you're going to have these marquee players in big matchups, but... You know, when Tom Brady plays for Tampa Bay, that's different than when he had had been to six Super Bowls uh, in, in New England. And and the entire New England community w- would watch that game. It wasn't just Boston. You would have 
many states and cities that are would root for that team. So we'll see how they do. But they have gotten better. That is for sure. They have gotten better. Back to your thing on Colin Kaepernick. I, I saw so much uh, outcry with how the NFL embraced Martin Luther King and his message, and yet blackballed Colin Kaepernick. And I think all those critics are right. Uh, and the NFL uh, did not do a, a make good for Colin Kaepernick. Sometimes people in life tell you, oh, yeah, do this thing for me and I got you. I'm going to make it good for you. And then they never make it good once the, once it dies down and once they got what they want. They forget that they, part of the bargain was I was supposed to do a make good for you. The NFL, and, and, and we don't know the details of the lawsuit that they, settlement that they had with him because it never became public. He settled prior uh, to having that become public knowledge. So there may be some agreements inside of that lawsuit that we're not privy to in an amount of money. I, I don't recall ever knowing what the financial settlement was. But no, it's never it's never been disclosed. And it's like everybody knows that Martin Luther King was paid off, too. They said, hey, don't walk across that bridge again and we'll give you some cash. That's where I lost respect for Colin Kaepernick and his message and really his girlfriend's message. Because uh, a lot of this came from her and then it began to kind of transform him. And then all of a sudden they went to court and Colin Kaepernick has disappeared. He has been asked multiple times to be on live television and he won't appear on live television which is probably pretty smart because sometimes you become more famous the less we hear from you. And I wonder with Colin Kaepernick how he would do on a situation where he sat down and had to freestyle and think for himself and have a conversation. I wonder how much of this came from his girlfriend. I wonder how much of this was thrown on his back as this movement grew. And I wonder how much of this is Colin Kaepernick. I really do. Because after he took that check, he disappeared. He did, but like I, I did you. I don't know if you watched. And, the, I was, and, and the Martin Luther King point was, of course, Martin Luther King didn't take a check. He kept walking across that bridge at Selma. Uh, you couldn't pay him off. And the question is, did Colin Kaepernick get paid off? In my opinion, he did. Maybe he did. I, I don't know if you watched the Netflix special that he had. He he clearly has been evolving. He clearly, if, if you if you allow for a human being to go from his early twenties and to grow and evolve. And don't try to hold him to like, oh, yeah, well, look what you did when you were that 21. That message, though, on that Netflix is completely controlled. That of course. Is completely controlled. And maybe he feels more comfortable with that. It's the way that Michael Jordan did it with his special. Yeah. He, not he, everybody he is comp- a He completely controlled the message. Not everyone's an extemporaneous speaker. And I think if you took, like uh, we mentioned, um, Aaron Rodgers, I bet Aaron Rodgers wishes he controlled his message a little better. I don't think he does. He's never been more popular. He's going to be the Among NFL MVP. All people are talking about right now. They're no longer talking about that message. They're just wondering uh, who has to go through Green Bay and who can beat Green Bay. And a lot of people have proven over the years that, well, they can go to Green Bay and beat Green I, Bay. I don't hold that against Colin Kaepernick in the least. For many years, you, you as the quarterback in the NFL, you are forced by the NFL or you face a large fine to say, you're going to do these media appearances when we tell you to, then, and then, you step to the podium, then, and you make these answers. And say, so, to the, say to the NFL, I want the check, but I also want my story. I want right. my story. No, I get it. I want, and, to, I want to be able to tell my story. And the story. NFL's not going to want was, to negotiate They were that. very, very careful in that Netflix special, the way, the way that we kind of walked around the, the NFL. So we, so we lost all the meaning in it. We lost all the meaning. We have right. never lost the meaning with Dr. King. I, I'm not going to be – I'm still in, the, in that story for me – 
Colin Kaepernick is not the villain. The NFL I didn't say is he's a villain, villain. Right. but he did take a check and then he shut up and, and he went and, away. And I don't and blame that, him. And the NFL didn't have to hire him. They got exactly what they wanted. I don't blame him and for taking that check. And now you can see the real NFL because on as we're celebrating uh, MLK Day, how many black coaches are there in the NFL? How many they're interviewing and how many will they hire? Less than ever. We'll see you on the other side of this. <laughs> Hey, you guys, we want to thank everybody in the Ron and Don Nation that has been switching to Mitch and Mitch.loans. Mitch, I got to ask you, here comes 2022. A lot of people are thinking money's going to be way too expensive. I'm not even going to be able to afford a home. What are you hearing about money, finances, stock market, interest rates as we start looking at 2022? What does it look like? That's a great question. And everyone's saying rates will rise. But when we we have to keep in mind that rates rising is totally a perspective thing, right? Because rates have been, yes, two and a half, three percent recently. But when we were young <laughs> or when our parents bought houses, rates were 12, 15 percent. So still compared to that, rates are good. And we see rates going up, but rates will stay manageable, and money's still cheap, guys. All right, he's Mitch Weeks. He's the official mortgage guy of the Ron and Don Nation. Go to Mitch.loans right now. Tell him you're with Ron and Don, and you save half a percent on your new loan. Mitch.loans, NMLS, 169-1573. Hey, guys, welcome back to episode 356. If you need us again, if you need a buyer's playbook, a seller's playbook, uh, just reach out to us, right? Yeah, you can go to ronanddon.com or you can just email me, ron at windermere.com, and we'll get you sorted. All starts with a sit-down, so if you want to sit down with us, it's 45 minutes. It's absolutely free of charge. You get to hang out with us, and uh, we'll send you some Ron and Don camper coffee mugs to sit down with us, and uh, let's see what we can do in 2022. Well, I started this broadcast talking about the Thomases. Was it the great Thomas and friends and the rest of the trains that said that you should watch someone eat soup before you hire them? Or was it the inventor, the great Thomas Edison, when he was asked, look at the thousands, the thousands, in fact, over 3,000 patents. Look at, the, look at the thousands of things that you have done, the patents that you hold. Why are you so successful? He said, well, let me take you downstairs and I'll show you tens of thousands of failures. How about that one? Was it Thomas Jefferson that said you should eat that soup? kind of soup would it be, you think? I think it was any soup. What's that? Just any soup Any kind your. of soup? Or, or would it be the great Thomas Jefferson, uh, one of our forefathers here who, uh, well, there's a lot of things we could say about Thomas Jefferson, but we're about to run out here. What would you like to say? Uh, th- this is an interesting article, and it's about Thomas Edison. And there, it's an anecdotal story, and I believe it was in Inc. Magazine, and we are saying... Thomas Jefferson wouldn't hire someone until they watched him eat soup. Gets a lot of clicks, and they're like, what's he doing about it? So the, it's what we both just read this book called Who on Hiring because we're trying to hire someone. And it's under the category of, of voodoo interviewing skills. And so it's these things, these, these heuristics that we come up with if you're trying to interview someone that you think is going to give you the key to a real person. And so what Thomas Edison would do, he would have the interview around a meal, he would bring out some soup, and he would watch if the person uh, put salt and pepper in their soup before they tasted it. Before they tried it. Or after they tasted it. And if you salted, if you seasoned your soup prior to tasting, 
He was done with you. The interview's <laughs> over. He, As he should be. Because he was like, if As someone's not even going to try something first before they make an adjustment, yeah. I don't want them on my team. Yeah. This is the same thing. There was another famous person. I don't remember which Fortune 500 person it was. But what he used to do is, I think he was in finance, he would had he had a very capable executive assistant that interacted with these interviewees multiple times uh, before they made it to the in-person interview. And so they, they would walk in, and his first question is, what's my exec- assistant's name? And if the, the person couldn't say the name of the assistant, interview was over. Wow. And his theory was, if you don't pay attention yeah. to the janitor or to the executive assistant, and you're only focused with, to me in the boardroom, I don't want you around here. The only problem with that is that it's not necessarily an indicator of whether or not you're going to do a good job. And we had, we just read this book called Who, which is on how you hire the right people. And they had a really uh, an interesting thing. He goes through and he develops this whole system of how he does hiring. And they develop this scorecard. And he gives this example. Again, I don't remember the specific company. It, it's and like, it's good because at least it could, even if you don't use it all, it gets you thinking differently right. about looking at someone and how, how it, will it be a good fit three, six, 12 months from now. And, and sometimes if you would ask better questions in the hiring process, you'll find out up front. That yeah, this is a no. This, right. is, this is We interviewed someone the other day, and they, they wanted to say yes to us. And we're like, no. Right. For your benefit, this is a no. And this is, this is why you should be saying no to us. And then he contacted. We gave him a challenge. He contacts a few days later. And he, you know, guys, I just got to tell you, it's a no for me. And right. I was so proud of him. That yeah. was a no for him. It needed to be. So he, um, you go through this process, and an example that he gives in the book um, is they developed a scorecard. They have this hiring team, and they, they used to be the voodoo interview people. And they gave the story of like, yeah, when we audited this company, we found that like eight people asked this candidate about his skydiving hobby. Well, they spent three hours in six different meetings with a candidate talking about something that has nothing to do with the job, but they saw it as his hobby list on the very last thing in his resume. Like, it doesn't matter mm-hmm. what you think about skydiving. So he says once they rehash this and get to the, the end part, they had three candidates. Everybody, everybody on the hiring committee was like, here's how we rank them. One, two, three. We really like these first two. And then uh, unanimous. And we kind of, nobody really liked candidate three. Not as much as the first two. They're like, eh, I don't know if it's going to be a few. They just had, it wasn't really clear. Yeah. And then they said, let's take out our scorecards that we made before you met any of these people and the things that you said that were important. And it's not how you eat soup. It's not whether you know the executive's name. You guys listed the things that were important to this role and what you wanted them to accomplish. And the guy that, that came in third on everybody's intuition scored A's across every every thing that they said was important and they hired that guy their stock price increased correct me if i'm wrong something like three thousand five hundred percent in six years or something like that it was insanity (laughs) and they're like yeah we hired the right guy (laughs) i'm glad we didn't talk about skydiving yeah because sometimes the 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 person that does the best in the interview interview you're 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 just a stepping stone and they're stepping somewhere else they're gonna step into your boardroom and while they're sitting in your boardroom uh, having lunch and eating soup, they're looking for the next boardroom. So anyway, hey, you guys, thanks for listening to episode 356. Really proud of Ronj for sharing this journey that he's going on, uh, which is really cool. Also, we figured out the Thomases. 
And also, uh, we got a better look of what's actually going on in the NFL on game day. But what's really happening in the boardrooms of those teams is we still need to see some change on those sidelines. We need to see coaches and owners that reflect the players on the field. And we're still a long ways away. And just painting something in the end zone, that doesn't get the hard work done. Speaking of hard work, if you need us, we are licensed brokers. We'd love to help you. Just reach out. You can write Ron directly, ron at windermere.com. You can also go to ronanddonsitdown.com. Everything at ronanddon.com. And while you're at ronanddon.com, why not get signed up for the Nation News? About 6,000 people have. That's our newsletter. And we'll send you a story a week, nothing more. Uh, Ron usually writes. In fact, uh, Ron wrote this week, and I'll write next week. And we just send you a, a little note, just one time a week, letting you know about our lives, what's happening with our dogs, our friends, our sons, and also what's happening in our real estate business. So if you want to get signed up for the Nation News, we love it, you guys. Go to ronanddon.com. You get signed up right there. Hey, head up, shoulders back. We'll see you for episode 357. It'll be here before you know it. Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet and we'll see you next time. Only! 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 On the Ron Don Radio Network.